Welcome to the Hypnotic Comic Live Show. Finding that entertainment without meaning isn't cutting it anymore? Do you want to feel deeply connected, yet lifted up into the heights of laughter? You found that place where comedy meets the full expansion of life's possibilities. Now, for your hypnotically comical host, Jenna Grayson! <laughs> wow, thank you so much. Doug, whenever I hear that, I just like want to throw my arms up into like a V formation. I'm like, I won! I won. Um, thank you guys all so much for joining us. This is indeed the Hypnotic Comic Live Show. We won. We have arrived. We've arrived at this moment, so you know it's a it's a winning experience. We're all winning. It's a it's a win win situation. Um, again, thank you so much for joining. I'm going to give the the call in number today. I don't always give this out, but I'm going to give in the call in number. Should anybody be interested um, in calling in, we have a super juicy guest today. And the call in number today is eight 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 six two seven six zero zero eight. And I am your host, Jenna Grayson, the hypnotic comic. I am both very hypnotic, as you can tell already, and uh, comical. <clears throat> and the reason why we, we named the show that is because um, I do hypnotherapy and I hypnotize people for a living. Never against their will, so don't get uh, too excited about the situation. And I'm also a stand-up comic and uh, performing regularly at the Comedy Store. My next show will be on Friday, December 7th at 7 p.m. at the Comedy Store. And I hope to see you there. Tickets, you can find them online, the Comedy Store website. You can also find out more information about me at jennagrayson.com, hypnoticcomic.com. i got to update that. Oh, my God, I just remembered that I have that website. <clears throat> Yeah, thanks for the reminder. And today we have a really amazing guest. Her name is Trista Haggerty. And I'm going to give a little bio and then we'll have a conversation with Trista. And you guys can um, jump in if you'd like. Uh, Trista is the author of the forthcoming book, When the Dark Mother Calls. Doesn't that sound delicious? Uh, that's to me anyway. Uh, she has pe spent the past 28 years studying initiation and ancient rites of passage. Doesn't that sound delicious? <laughs> oh, my God. She specializes in working with groups and individuals, supporting them to develop inner awareness and a whole human experience. I got some questions, girl. <laughs> What's going on? She is the creator of the Inner Alchemy Training Program, teaching the feminine mysteries. Mm, that gets my womb all stirred up, just reading that. And offers both residential retreats at Hawk Circle, which is um, in Cherry Valley, New York, and uh, also has online programs. And I believe she's going to be sharing a gift with us today for all the listeners. Um, Trista is also the co-founder, or sorry, I'm sorry, the, Trista is also the Founder, got to give you credit where credit is due, girl. She's the founder of Sacred Mountain Tours, where she guides people to sacred sites throughout the world and is a founding director of the Earth Mentoring Institute, also known as Hawk Circle, where in New York, where she and her husband have been providing transformational experiences for youth and adults for the past 30 years. Trista is a certified aromatherapist, and her work with essential oils, shamanism, and energy medicine, we got questions up in the house. Um, she provides these things for her clients and students with a profound healing experience. She is also a mother of three, and I actually know uh, one of her daughters really well, and she's an extraordinary human that she's created, that Trista's created, uh, co-created. Um, she's an avid gardener, knitter, and enjoys tending to her animals at the uh, at the place where she's residing and has 
uh, retreats as well, as we said. Um, you can find out more information um, about Trista at tristahaggerty.com. That's H-A-G-G-E-R-T-Y or hawkcircle.com. So thank you so much, Trista, for being here today. Yeah, and thanks for having me. Yeah, oh my gosh. I'm super honored to have you and such a blessing. And I'm just like, feel so enriched just even reading that bio. And um, <laughs> it's like, let's talk, you know, it's just, um, I've known you for several years and I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. And um, I've always felt a real soul connection to <clears throat> that, that deeper place within you that uh, definitely carries a really pure healing mother divine mother energy so thank you so much for for joining us today yeah well thank you i'm also <laughs> joined with a uh my son's puppy just to let you know if you hear any little background noises <laughs> okay That's i thought okay. the puppy was going to be asleep but you know instead. we we also have a dog a, a neighbor's dog barking in the background that i think i'm hearing i don't think it's your is your dog barking no, no, just making yeah. little squeaks. For, for whatever reason, there is dog barking that consistently shows up on this show. Um, I used, my, the last place I was living, um, we had a couple dogs, and now where I'm living, um, there there's no dogs barking, but somehow we continue to get dog energy. So we're supposed, to, I think we're supposed to be reminded to keep it uh, keep it friendly and loyal or something. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> keep it friendly and loyal, just off. Let's not get too serious. Yeah, let's not get too serious. We've got to jump up and down every now and then and reach for the uh, countertop of life. <clears throat> so I'd love to ask you some questions just about um, some of the things that I said, but also would love to um, open it up to you if there's anything that's, um, that you're wanting to share just off the, off the you know, beginning of this and acknowledging what you do and what you've been doing maybe give us a little more background and how you got to be in this this sacred position that you're in yeah well i was i was in my late 20s living in rural vermont and i was married and had two very young children and my marriage was not working out the way that i had hoped and planned for and uh, which I'm sure many people can relate to. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it really, you know, it, you know, they say that your first, your first relationship is often the fantasy of a relationship, and uh, the second relationship, yeah, the second relationship <laughs> is often when you uh, kind of roll up your sleeves and get serious. But, mm-hmm. um, and I think that was that for me. You know, I grew up in the. 60s and the 70s, and there wasn't a lot of talk about inner work, um, self-reflection, getting to know yourself. Um, there just, you know, there just wasn't. And so, I had, I had a lot of idealistic expectations for what my life would look like, and then found the my actual experience to be quite opposite and it really sent me on my inward journey that was really the doorway and it started with a dark night of the soul and I mean I was fortunate that I had little children because I had to get up every morning you know I had to get up Mm. had to feed them you know um you know and just do do the day the best that I could so I, I was fortunate in that way but when I came out of that dark night of the soul, I had this, it was like a spiritual awakening, mm-hmm. um, thanks to Phil, Phil Donahue's show. No <laughs> show kidding! Of <laughs> you, know, you know, you never know what's going to flip that switch on for you. <laughs> Great, I love it. And I had, I had this real deep... Um, this real deep yearning that I was supposed to find somebody and and I, I just you know could feel it it's like that kind of like that umbilical cord almost tugging at you and I called a number of different bookstores I called different healing centers the only thing that I knew 
or felt anyways that this person did some sort of healing work. And that's what I was really awakening to, mm-hmm. um, was my own intuitive understanding of, of healing. And <clears throat> after several phone calls and a few weeks of searching, I found this woman, this little old German woman who lived in a hobbit-like house up in the top of the mountains in Vermont. Mm. And I ended up spending the next 20 years, off and on, of course, because I had children, um, traveling with her to sacred sites. Mm -hmm. And my world just, you know, I stepped into a whole other life. That's what Mm -hmm. what it felt like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. And I would love to um, circle back to something you said just a little earlier there. You were talking about during your first marriage that you went into the experience of the dark night of the soul. And um, it's such a beautiful term because it gives us so much permission to just go there. And I would just love to um, also just illuminate really what that is for us, you know, for people both that are seeking a spiritual solution to their circumstances, as well as to people who are, um, you know, being very much entrenched in the Western paradigm of what a dark night of the soul might be, and to really just clarify what that is. And I think, I, you know, for, for myself, I, I very clearly, very personally and deeply, and like, I can feel it in my heart, like the pain of where, like, I'm like, oh, God, I know what that's like. Um, but, you know, I, I, personally, I was diagnosed with depression and put on um antidepressants, which was helpful, you know, it wasn't the necessarily the wrong thing, but I also want to just kind of illuminate because you're, you're outside of that experience now, you know, so like for us to all understand that that's a normal and natural part of this kind of a spiritual journey. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to open that up it, to you. Yeah, it is. And it's, it is such an important thing to talk about because we have we've really been taught to turn away from darkness mm-hmm. um to i mean we a lot of people even sleep with night lights you know um we've been taught to fear it to turn away from it but never to surrender to it mm-hmm. and yet darkness is where all life begins and oh my gosh is that right the, well you know you're in the womb it is void of light when a yes. seed falls from the the withering plant, you know, in the fall time or from the, the trees that are dropping their leaves, it mm-hmm. buries itself into the ground mm-hmm. and it's nourished there. It uh, kind of develops its foundational roots in the darkness of the soil throughout the winter. Living in upstate New York where I live, we have very significant seasonal changes um, but it isn't until that seed has really, really been um, transformed within the darkness of the soil and it begins to feel the warmth of the sun in the spring does it really start to grow towards the light. Mm-hmm. And it's true for us as well. And particularly with the dark night of the soul, it's it's you really have to rely on your faith to get you through the dark night of soul Mm -hmm. because that's almost all you've got. It's so void of light. But when you're in that place, it is, I mean, you're, you're literally um, being kind of broken down um, in the sense that all of the things that you thought your life was, supposed to be about and who you are supposed to be, mm. um, all of those things are broken down um, mm. until the only, the only place you have is this inner place of seeking truth. And you're right. open to hearing what truth is and to discovering something new because you have nothing else to hold on to. Oh my god, that's really beautifully stated. And at the same time, I'm like, oh, I so relate to that, and it's like painful in a way to hear it because it's like, I just know the pain of that experience. And you know, I think some sometimes people um, 
create that metaphor of being in the chrysalis or being in the cocoon as a butterfly. And it's like, you're talking about um, all of your beliefs and your expectations and your hopes and who you thought you were and your identity starts to break down. And it really is very much um, a beautiful metaphor for being the caterpillar going into the cocoon, not knowing if the cocoon's ever going to open up, not knowing if it's going to survive that total breakdown of, what had been the self, you know, or the identity as, as a caterpillar to be like, to, to, to they, uh, um, some of the teachers that I've heard, um, Barbara, what is her name? Do you know Barbara something? She talks about the chrysalis a lot and, uh, she's an older, beautiful mama woman too. And, um, anyway, she says that basically all the cells, when you're in that dark place or when the, I'll say the caterpillar is in that dark place, all of the cells break down from the caterpillar. It's not like it just grows wings. Its body is completely reformed. You look at the width and the size of a caterpillar and the width and the size of the body of the butterfly. They're completely different bodies, you know? So. Yeah. It's um, a, it's an incredibly deep and profound transformation, you know, transform formative um, experience and I think mm-hmm. I think the caterpillar and the butterfly is like the perfect example and I remember when I was coming out of the dark night of the soul I had a dream where a butterfly or butterflies were all around all over me and I had forgotten about it until the next day I was outdoors playing with my kids and a butterfly came and just fluttered right in front of my face and wouldn't leave mm-hmm. and then I was like oh yeah and and nature, you know, it's kind of like going into the underworld, you know, and then you come out and it's the beauty of nature that kind of pulled me out. I just mm-hmm. I just remember being like, oh, you know, everything's so beautiful, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Nature is such a great healer in that sense. And I've uh, known some people, including myself, that really you know, I've had the experience that, that being surrounded by nature helped to put them back together again, really like mm-hmm. from serious mental health conditions that were diagnosed as very serious conditions um, that just being in the presence of nature and relaxing and surrendering um, in that kind of environment, which I know that you're providing Trista um, in your retreat center um, and the, the natural environment where you are for people to put their pieces back together with more, more grace and less, less pain, I would say, than, you know, might otherwise just be happening if you're living in the middle of the city or, you know, just stuck in your house, not knowing what to do with yourself. Yeah, we're, we're very fortunate that we've got 200 acres of wilderness that we live on. Um, Oh my gosh. Unless we're looking for, a good Indian food restaurant or a good Mexican <laughs> food restaurant, and, but then we're not so lucky. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, it, you know, I didn't, um, I didn't really realize that nature was the place I'd always intuitively turned to ever since I was a little kid. Mm. Um, and specifically when I was a teenager, I remember experiencing my first broken heart, and I just naturally gravitated towards the beautiful lake that was nearby in our town where I lived and I would go there every day and just sit sometimes sit and cry you know sometimes just sit and feel the lake but I could Mm. I you know and I did that when I was in college and felt so homesick there was a small pond a little nature kind of sanctuary on our campus and Mm. And then as I got older, I started going to the sacred sites, but I never really put all of that together until just a few years ago that mm-hmm. that, that has just been such a significant um, healing, you know, for me in my life. And yeah. I get a little concerned, admittedly, for this generation. Um, that's one reason you know, we offer youth programs, too, is that um, it's nature is such a great place to turn to to cope with things and to get through things you know as opposed to the things that help us numb out you know 
Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many opportunities for for numbing out, and there's so much encouragement for the for the numbing, or what, you know, which you could also call just distraction from your inner experience. That uh, mm-hmm. it doesn't serve it. You know, it's like a relief. You know, I think so many of us are looking for a quick fix that will just give me some freaking relief. You know, but it's it is numbing, and it doesn't make it go away. Numbing never makes something go away, and even our medical system um, is set up to n- numb the the symptoms, the feelings, the expressions that are coming through the body, and it can can be very helpful for a little while. But it's like these kinds of things that are happening, these spiritual transformations that are needed and necessary, and coming through the the bodies of humanity. Um, we really have to go in, don't we, in order to to go through it or get out the other side. Yeah, absolutely. Just what you said, going going through it. And I think if we can imagine it as a tunnel, you know, that we are there is mm-hmm. there is an end to it. We are heading someplace by going through the darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going into a dead end and then worried that we'll never get out of that. We are actually going through something and I think that that's really important when you're when you're needing to go go into your uh, into your deep roots where there may be repressed emotions or um, feelings you know especially as a child but even as an adult that you just didn't have the space or the tools or someone there to listen to where you could really resolve the feelings, you know, and they just get tucked away. Yeah, I yeah. do. I sure do. I absolutely do. Mm-hmm. Like, unfortunately, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, you said, you also said earlier something um, about when you're in that dark place, you know, even though it is the tunnel as you're describing it and there is a light at the other side, Side, the other end of it, you something you have to go through. Um, the thing that you said that um, I was really interested in was, well, everything I'm finding incredibly interesting. And at the same time, I want to bring up that you said um, all you have is faith in that situation, in that dark place. All you really have is faith. And um so I, I want to ask you because I think you know when you're when people are in that deep dark place that there is no um, light at the end of the tunnel <clears throat> at first or at least for a while. So like, what does that word faith even mean if it feels like everything's being stripped away or there is just incredible darkness or fear happening? What is faith or what are we meant to have faith in? Is it nature is it god you know if you could speak about that yeah i imagine that it's different for everyone okay um for me because i was always so immersed in nature that going into darkness was like going into the the darker days of the fall year which we're approaching you know or mm-hmm. which we you know we're in right now um, and that faith that the sun light always returns. Mm-hmm. You know, it's. Uh, you, I sometimes I've had apprentices living here at Hawk Circle, and I've been, I've taught them how to take care of uh, some of the animals that we had here at one time. Mm-hmm. And I told them, I said, you know, you really have to be like the sun. And can you imagine? what life would be like if from one minute to the next you didn't know if the sun was going to rise in the morning, if you were going oh. to have a, a day completely immersed in darkness, um, mm-hmm. where there was no pattern, no rhythm, nothing to count on. And so really, for me, being so aligned with nature, I knew that I could always count on the light. It was just in right order. But for others, for others it may be more of the, their organized religion you know, that they have learned to have faith and they've been taught to have faith and they've watched their families um, be committed to that faith, you know. Right. Um, right. So I think it's different for everyone, but certainly for me it was nature and the natural law of things. Right. 
Great. Yeah, that's where I was. I was hoping that you would connect those because I was hearing you say that, you know, hearing you say uh, without words, I would say, you know, essentially like that to have faith in the well-being of nature itself, to look to the perfect repeating patterns of nature, to look at the harmony of nature, the well-being of nature, to look at the colors of nature. And I think sometimes we don't always have language for why nature is such a profound healer. Right. And I'm hearing that from you and I'm feeling that and expressing these words, you know, as well, just from that place of feeling that from you, that that place of nature is, is something to have faith in. is something yeah. to look to in our dark, dark times and dark age that we're co experiencing yeah no absolutely it's because we are a part of nature you know we have uh, over many years gotten more disconnected certainly from our than our ancient ancestors you know we're so connected but um Mm -hmm. i think that we're we're getting back there um but to to observe the rhythm of nature and the cycles and the seasons is to understand that natural order and that death is never anything that death is change. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you're in the dark night of the soul, you can feel you can feel like it's death. Um, but in fact, it's it's really change, tremendous amount of change going on. Um, and so, yeah, that's you know really immersing yourself of observing. And just watching and feeling nature and seeing how that relates to your own life is just, yeah, it's incredibly empowering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And in the, the the retreats that you're doing where you're living, where you and your husband are living, um, is that a big part of the work that you're doing is immersing people in natural environments or natural settings, natural food. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Uh, we have, well, like I said earlier, we've got 200 acres of wilderness, and mm-hmm. we have cabins that are void of electricity. So there's no interference. You know, electricity has this slight interference that kind of keeps us on a, a subtle edge. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so the immersion experience, I I'm actually right now running a a pilgrims program where people who are seeking deeper meaning in their life um wanting to heal and so forth can come out and spend several days and be nourished with foods but be nourished with the land sleep in the cabin at the edge of the woods and sink into that natural rhythm because they're void of electricity void of television void of cell phones and and be able to to listen deeply. Can you say more about that? What does that mean that in that natural environment that people can listen deeply? Well, it's void of most distractions. And and when you're also waking with the sun and going to sleep early and hearing the animals and being immersed amongst old trees, um, you can you can get those inner those inner messages that to me really come from the soul. Um, maybe you're trying to figure out what your next step is in life, or maybe you're trying to decide make a big decision when it comes to an important relationship, um, being able to have an experience where nature is supporting you and surrounding you um, to you know, hear your heart separate from what your friend might be telling you to do, your mom might be telling you to do, society mm. in general. Um, yeah. yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It does make sense to me. And I would like to hear about um, what your experiences have been about that. You know, this idea that people could come 
and rest in an environment where the distractions are maybe just completely gone. Like I want to say minimize, but it sounds like maybe there's no distractions. Maybe there, I don't know. It sounds like there's no distractions. So all you've really got is yourself and nature and maybe some other people and some natural um, aspects of nature, like flowers or animals or trees. And to go into that inner place where your heart is, where the quiet, the quiet voice is, not the Mm -hmm. demanding voice of the, world or the internet or your parents or your boss and so the quieter voice the still quieter voice comes forward and reminds you reminds the person of who they are why they're here what would make them happy or what might help them to heal or find a place of wholeness in themselves and so I'm just curious you know if you could give us like a story or maybe some sort of common things that you've seen happen as a result of people going into into nature, into their own nature, I would say, um, in these ways. I have, I have found that people are able to really hear their own, their own wisdom. And, you know, I had, I had a woman here uh, a couple years ago doing a pilgrimage and she uh, she, I think she was here for oh, she's like here for three, three or four days, and she was you know, going for hikes every day and so forth. And I was working with her doing some meditations, and she was actually she had been struggling with bipolar disorder, really uh-huh. challenging. I'm mm-hmm. sure you're familiar with that too, yeah. but it's um, it's pretty prevalent, you know. And the more she was here, the more the deeper she went into her own into her own roots, you know, and um and she discovered these you know, these they weren't really memories because she had the memories, but she discovered the feelings that went with the memories. Mm-hmm. And the feelings were ones that she hadn't really had a space to share them or a person to share them with you know she was young when certain things happened and and through just having that times for like deep rest and no distractions and being in the woods um she was really able to kind of tap into that and it it shifted so much in her life because i've i've remained in touch with her afterwards um, but just being able to become um, kind of heal that ravine that is often the case with bipolars that you almost feel you've got two different parts of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's oftentimes a tremendous amount of fear in between those two parts. And so she did a, mm-hmm. she was able to um, really go into that because she felt so supported by um, by nature, she was hearing this particular bird that comforted her every morning when she woke up. She found a couple trees that she would sit with and and felt the strength you know i I tell a lot of people if you want to go out into the woods and experience the medicine, you know look and see what is it that you need. Are you looking for strength? If you're looking for strength, then go sit with an oak tree because it's such a strong wood and there's such huge and magnificent trees. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for gentleness, then go sit with a willow tree that is so flexible, you know, mm-hmm. um, and receive in that medicine. Um, so those, those are, you know, there's a, a number of a number of examples I could give you because even on my sacred journeys, you know, we're, we're out in nature all the time. You know, we're in the mm-hmm. caves, we're up on the mountain peaks, we're, we're all over the place where the ancient people once lived. Beautiful, beautiful. And is that what is meant by the wilderness education that you're offering? Is that an external being in the wilderness education, or is that um, an internal 
experience or both? What, what is a it's wilderness actually, education? It's actually both. Um, here at Hawk Circle, my husband teaches a lot of the wilderness skills, the outer skills. Um, so okay. he teaches like, primitive fire making and um, making making bows and arrows, and uh, you know, things things like that have that have a very significant inner meaning. But I'm then I'm the one that really does the uh, work with the inner wilderness, um, mm-hmm. and that's just to know that your lands your inner landscape. Um, I'm sorry, my the puppy is something. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, she's been sleeping like, all day. <laughs> I'm like wanting to call the dog to me. I'm like, come here, puppy, come here. I'll help you. And you just come and sit with me. Just come and sit with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I know. <clears throat> well, as I was saying, the the inner. Wilderness. When you really learn to traverse your inner wilderness, you realize that you can. You then have that creative power to have your outer experience yes. be the way that you really want it to be. Oh my gosh! You know wow. how? I mean, how frustrating is that, right? When our intention right. is to create one thing and we end up with another, <laughs> and we're it's so and it's not fun. <laughs> It's so frustrating. And something I'm hearing in that is like the power and the importance of both of the qualities of the masculine and the feminine, you know, because it's like the feminine is like that, that like nurturer and that inner place of like holding and nurturing and containment and hopefully, you know, things like well-being and empathy, compassion and the softness. And at the same time, it's like, but can we go there if we don't have a safe container? Can we go there into the full experience of nature if we don't feel safe in nature? You know, so it sounds like your husband is like, look, you need to go in nature and I'm going to give you some tools so you can discover your own nature without being, without being afraid, you know, to, to go there. Cause I also know lots of people, including myself, a lot of times where it's like, you know, to go into nature means you could expose yourself to lions and wildcats and mountain lions. You know, I just moved up into the into the hills in Orange County in California, and it's like our neighbors are right away warning us about the wildcats and the coyotes and the things to be afraid of. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, I just want to be in nature and be surrounded by trees and the sky and space and green and you know it's just this interesting human experiment we're living in where it's like we're much more comfortable with being in staring at a screen and looking at a lake you know it's like what's going on so anyway coming back to the original point there which is you know the importance of the masculine qualities as we do go into these healing cycles and returning to nature outside of us as well as nature the nature as it is within us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's uh i it took my husband and myself a while you know as all relationships experience to see the uh the the beautiful the beautiful match <laughs> between us yeah, you know good. because he he teaches the external wilderness and he's very masculine, and I'm very feminine, and I teach the inner wilderness. And when we first met, it was like that book, you know, Men Are From Mars, right, that book? Have you ever read that book? Yeah. Men and Women Speaking a Different Language. That's literally, I mean, we would try having a conversation and try to work together, and we would just look at each other and be like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and so it took many years for us to now understand one another and to realize, like, oh, my gosh, what a perfect fit <laughs> with our oh, work. You wow. Know? How did you get past that? I kind of can't even imagine because I know those experiences that I've been in. I was just in one yesterday where I was like, look, we just speak two very different languages and are very different wavelengths, and I don't think we're going to be able to communicate, you know, um, or work together. So how, how did you how did you get through that? That's like a 
I, I want to say that's like a million dollar question right now. Like, how <laughs> <Yeah. you> <laughs> I don't know if I have one answer. I'd love to give people just one answer, but um, yeah. <clears throat> I think it did take it took a lot of it took a lot of patience and it took a lot of honesty, mm-hmm. and that is, you know, I th- I think this is my take on it that when a man and a woman come together and you've got that dynamic of the very masculine and very feminine, mm-hmm. that I know for me as as a woman it took it took a lot for me to stand stand in my power because the masculine was all around me you know the patriarchy and and all of that was what i grew up in and at times certainly felt that what i had to offer and who i was as a woman in the way that i thought and the way that i saw things the way that i felt different about things mm-hmm. that there was no space for that in this world and so when I got into, you know, my marriage with my my husband, Ricardo, I was determined to have that space. Um, and so I, I really bumped up against his rational mind a lot, which I'm sure a lot of people, you know, can relate to and and would feel bruised by it sometimes. But I, I knew, I really felt deep in my heart that we are in this process of bringing the, bringing the masculine, bringing the masculine and the feminine together. And I needed, for me, I really needed to um, dig deep down in and heal, heal the that place of the victim. You know, heal that place yeah. where, as you know, the as a woman and with that, you know, the feminine energy that there, there wasn't a place in the world, you know, believing that there was, believing that, um, that I had something to offer the world and that, you know, for years my mantra <laughs> to my husband was when I would say, oh, I need to, you know, go on another one of my trips or I've got to go do this or go do that. And he would say, well, why? That doesn't make sense. My mantra was, it doesn't need to make sense. And and that was like all I could say about it. <laughs> that was all I could say about it, you know, because I said this is you know, I have to follow I have to follow my intuition and um and that's not always going to make sense and it's not always going to come at the perfect time. It's not always going to fit in to anyone else's schedule. Um, So that's a really long answer (laughs) to your question. No, that's great. But it was persistency in honoring the feminine way. And and for him being willing to listen and open up to the possibility that there was another way besides what we've grown up with. Yeah. So I want to ask you kind of a personal question that might take that in a little bit of a different um, direction, which is like, what motivated you guys? You know what I mean? It's like, okay, so that's a little bit of the how, like, how did you manage? How did you navigate the, like, we don't speak the same language, but we're going to go through this anything anyway, this thing anyway. Um, but like the, the, the question that's coming up for me is also like this place of like, why, like, why, why did you in the beginning, because it sounds like something so profoundly beautiful and really perfect in many ways unfolded from that. But in the initial stages where you're like, look, look, buddy, <laughs> that's my language, but look, buddy, we're not get, we're not communicating here. We're not, you know, speaking the same language. We're not, we're not on the same page in terms of our perspective. Like what motivated you or if you could speak for him too, I don't know, but what motivated you guys to keep going if you're like, you don't understand me and I don't understand you and you're, you know, you're from Italy and I'm from uh, India. So like what motivated you guys to stay together and to work on it and to get to where you are now? Well, we had, one, we had this vision here for our land that was Mm -hmm. very much about the two of us. But the other thing, the, we had a child together 
my third child uh, was with Ricardo, and he was born with spina bifida. Mm. And he's this, you know, beautiful, joyful young adult now. He's 21. Um, but we did not... We did not want to bring any more trauma to his life by getting separated. And we also could not imagine doing life with him alone, either one of us. And I know, you know, therapists always say, don't stay together for the children. And and that, it wasn't a staying together, um, for him, it was a commitment to working through it for him. And I, uh, because of the initiations and the rites of passage that I went through, I my internal compass before I even met Ricardo was about the the sacred marriage, about bringing whatever appears to be opposite into union. And I was determined that this was going to, that we were going to get to that place. Whoa. Um, and it's so much part of, it's so Sorry, much a part of so my delighted. work. Mm. Um, and, and I feel like it's so relevant for where we're in right now because in the world, because there's so much polarization going on. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this side and there's that side. And that dualistic existence is really not reality. Um, with the Egyptian mysteries, it's one thing that I I really related to when I traveled to Egypt and studied those um, the Egyptian mysteries is that they understood that to live here on earth, then you were living in duality. There's night... There's daytime, there's man, there's woman, there's there's everything is in duality. But Mm -hmm. that the purpose was to find the oneness within the duality. Mm -hmm. And so I I was determined to I was determined to navigate to that place. And I didn't always do it gracefully, I admit. It was not graceful. <laughs> I understand. I understand. When I got close to that oneness, I realized, wow, this actually can be graceful. <laughs> yeah. Because when I've had those moments of oneness in a situation or experience or with a person where there's a lot of polarization going on, mm-hmm. um, there's this, it's very vulnerable because I'm letting go of the way I think things should be. I'm letting go of who I think I am in the moment, mm-hmm. the need to be right, and I'm opening up to a possibility of a whole different experience. Mm-hmm. I'm letting go of being invested on whether I get that person to understand what I'm saying. And just Mm. standing in that, letting go of all of that, and just standing in that place of oneness, Mm -hmm. I've experienced just the whole dynamic instantaneously. And I'm like, wow, really took me a long time to get to that place. I get that. What a what a poetic life story. What a poetic life story, though. Really, I mean, like, what a beautiful example of all of that and how well you sort of played it out. You know, like to acknowledge that. I think it's like you know we're living in an age where these kinds of things are um, available to us, and sometimes it doesn't make sense. You know, like your husband was saying, "What are you doing? Just you got to go away again? Like, where are you going? This doesn't make sense. And why are you going there?" But you know, it's like the being in the. Uh, it's like I'm wanting to make this story really linear right now, even though it's like when you're in it, there is no linear logic. You know, it's not logical. It's not linear. It's not a clear cut. I'm gonna take two steps to the left and one step to the right, and I'm going to find my way to the end of this tunnel and, and come, a, come upon 
these great gifts that are within me and uh, available to the world as gifts for them as well. But, you know, I think it's like you really taken upon yourself um, this really conscious journey to define that union and the duality and to say, yeah, I'm living in duality and that can be a reality, but that doesn't mean that it's the ultimate reality that I'm, I'm seeking on that deeper soul level. Right. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, I, you know, like what you said, it's a nonlinear path. And Mm -hmm. I know there are some people who will refer to it as the the left-hand side of God or the left-handed path. Um, Interesting. It's, uh, it's, you really have to be committed to honoring your feelings. And I Mm -hmm. have worked with couples and and they have you know gone to different therapy classes or learned communication and stuff which is all really wonderful because you want things to be civil mm-hmm. um, I'll stress want <laughs> they may not be <laughs> but you want it <laughs> um, we do we, we, we want it we want it just, come on I was to do this <laughs> but sometimes um, <clears throat> it's not the things that can't be civil, but those sometimes those um, you know those uh, the communication instructions that you have to that you know they tell you to follow this you know this uh, step one step two or whatever communication. Mm. Um, to me, when I hear people act that out. It feels number one forced, and it feels mm-hmm. like they're, everyone is denying their feelings. Everyone's kind of holding themselves in, mm-hmm. and and that's you know that's not what our ancient people did. Our ancient um, our ancient relatives and the um, the old traditions they would have celebrations and they would have festivals and they'd have rites of passage and these things, these different experiences, so that you could so that you could yell, you could let out your anger, you know, you could, you could dance it out. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's so important because I think if we, if we sit there and we've got, oh, let's follow step one, step two, oh, you skipped step two, we have Mm -hmm. to go back, you know, otherwise our communication is going to break down. That, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing, I don't mean to make fun of that because I know it has a place. But I right. have just seen too often people relying on those steps and denying themselves what they're really feeling. Right. And we become ultra-domesticated. Mm-hmm. And the wild okay. self that wants passion and wants to cre- be creative and wants to express itself mm-hmm. is just kind of shoved to the dark corners of the psyche. Uh-huh. That's awesome. I I really hear that as also like an expression of the feminine too, because we are such, I want to say powerfully feeling, you know, not intensely feeling. <laughs> we are intensely feeling beings for sure. But I, you know, to put it in more positive light, like as women, like we just feel so much and we go through cycles of feeling and it can be really profoundly um, confusing because it does change. And I think the more masculine way is to put some structure on it and say, when, Trista, when you left the toilet seat up, no, not you, when you left your <laughs> shoes in the hallway, it made me feel disappointed and disregarded. And, like, there's benefit to that, but at the same time, it's like there is that, like, screaming going on inside that's like, why is the world in this way and why can't I have the things that I want to have and why do I keep feeling frustrated and disappointed and why, God, why, God, why? And it sounds like what you're describing is like to um, create space for allowing feelings to express without them necessarily needing to be logical or directed in a specific way. So it's like not even necessarily to tell you that you're frustrating me in a proper way, but to just be like, I am frustrated. And to howl at the moon like an animal or like a woman. I do that, by the way. I do that. I howl at the moon. And it yeah. helps a lot. You know, just let my emotions that get built up through the month, you know, that I think comes out for women in our cycle. It's just like 
there is a lot of oppression of our feelings and our emotions. And so it builds up and then we become bitches and angry and moody. And um, so I, I think there is some nature in those feeling cycles that we go through. Um, but at the same time, something that I, I, I'm really interested in my own feelings. I'm really interested in my own feelings, maybe too much so. Um, but I find in the world that, you know, the general sort of belief about feelings, and I'm curious to hear what you'd say about this, the, the general sort of take on feelings is, you know, or the, the stance is feelings change, you know, don't, don't look at your feelings too much or don't be guided by your feelings because they can change from one day to another. They can change with your thoughts. They can change with your hormones. They can change with the moon. They can change with the astrology or with your period or with your, you know, your beliefs or your, you know, you sleep, you go to sleep sometimes and you wake up and you feel very different where you might've gone to sleep feeling really frustrated or depressed. And, you know, so what, what are your thoughts about the changing nature of feelings and like, are we supposed to follow those feelings? Um, Yeah. What do you have to say about that? Yeah, that's a, I think that's a really good question um, because, you know, we are all made of energy and we we bump into one another, <laughs> you know. Um, we, yes. we can go leave the house for the day and go out to shop in a store or whatever and come back and maybe feel irritable. We don't really know why. Right. Um, and and there, so there's that. There's kind of environmental factors. And then there's also the feelings that are coming up just naturally because you're growing and peeling away the layers. You know, so how do you discern is this a feeling I really need to look at or is this a feeling that's that's passing and I need to take a bath with some salt, bath salt mm-hmm. or something, you know, mm-hmm. kind of yeah. cleanse. Um and I think when I have found the more I have really understood how it feels in my body that I can determine I can determine what kind of feeling I'm experiencing. Um, <clears throat> I think also with that there's you know your intuition, you know, so if you're feeling unsafe in a space, um it's important to ask why am I feeling unsafe? Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know. You know, I don't. I'm not. I don't have a clear answer to that, and it's a very good question. All I can say is that um, I always encourage. I do this for myself, and I always encourage my students to ask yourself question after question after question. Okay. Um, where is this coming from? Why am I feeling this? You know, and give yourself time and space to listen for the answer. Um, I think it's important to have tools that work for you, whether it's like sitting in a bath, meditating, going out in the woods, you know, whatever, sitting with a plant you might have in your apartment type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see, is it something, is it something that just kind of dissipates or is it something that is lingering? And if so, let's dig deeper. Beautiful. And you brought up this idea of uh, having some tools and and some specific tools that you've um, suggested there. I also know that you provide and offer some online tools um, that we had talked about before that you were wanting to offer people to be able to connect more deeply within themselves as as a gift to help guide people in their own personal journeys. Is that right? Yeah, actually, I... Um, just yesterday, I put up on my website, um, which is tristahaggerty.com, I put up on my website this uh, meditation series, and it's so much about what we we're just talking about. Um, awesome. Because it, it's called Stirring the Soul Awake, mm. and it's through the power of the seasons. So mm. if you... If anyone is interested in these meditations, they can go to my website. They're free, and they can download them. And there's an introduction that talks about the tradition of our ancestors and how it came to be that they honored the earth so closely. 
But then each meditation, it gives you a little explanation about the the power of the season. Yeah. And then it guides you through a meditation so that you can really experience what that power is. Beautiful. Oh, my gosh. It's so gorgeously described. I'm going to really look forward to it. I'm really looking forward to experiencing that. And um, you said it's at your website, TristaHaggerty.com, and I'll just spell that out. I'm looking at it right now. It's such a beautiful um beautiful images here. It's Trista, T-R-I-S-T-A, Trista, and then uh, Haggerty is H-A-G-G-E-R-T-Y.com. Really beautiful. So we just have uh, a couple minutes left. I would love to um, wrap up. I have so many more questions for you, Trista. I'm like, but what about this and that? I really wanted to ask you about traveling to sacred sites that you've done in your past, as well as that you're offering um, taking people on journeys uh, within and into the, into the world of sacred sites and also about rites of passage. So I'm going to just make a choice and say, um, can you just tell us about the sacred sites that you're traveling to? I know you have a trip coming up to Ireland soon that you're taking um, just a few more people with you on. Can you tell yeah, us about that? Um, next, it's actually next September. Um, I need to always plan these trips way ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the next trip is to Ireland, and it's just Ireland is just such a magical place. I mean, they they're so the people there, every everybody who is you know living in Ireland, they're so connected with what they refer to as the other world, um, and that the uh, the world of the elementals and the world of nature and the myths that go along with that. And we're going to be visiting some some places that are, you know, tourist places, but most of the places we'll be visiting are places that a normal tourist would not be visiting, um, places that I have discovered on my own that are very, very powerful and very beautiful and important sites to the ancient people, um, but I I also I also go to Scotland and England and was in France with a group last year and year before that in Egypt and right now I'm only offering one journey a year because I I like to actually guide the people through a training program either before or sometimes after to help integrate the consciousness of the land that we experience it's they're very life-changing um i mean this is you know how how i got to be doing the work that i'm doing is through my travels with my my dear friend from long ago and Mm -hmm. it's um yeah they're life they're life-changing and so much more fun than sitting in a therapist's office (laughs) 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 because we are we are climbing into caves and climbing up mountains and sitting by the wild Atlantic Ocean, you know, and mm. returning at night and having some beautiful meal and a glass of wine or maybe in this case Irish coffee or whiskey or something. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's they're really beautiful. And, and I only take small groups because of the, the type of work that we do, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's an intimate experience and beautiful. And you had told me off the uh, off the air here that you have only four spots left for that trip next September. Is that right? I do. I have only four spots left, and there only four spots left. Call yeah, now. only four spots. <laughs> and there's a a discount, an early bird discount, um, right up until the first of January. So beautiful. That gives so if. Yeah, if people want to go with you on the journey or find out more about the retreats or um, the other services that you're providing, what's the best way for um, listeners to reach you? Well, probably going to going to my website um, at tristahaggerty.com. They could also go to our Hawk Circle website, which is hawkcircle.com. Hawk mm-hmm. is in the, the bird. Um mm-hmm. And or my email, trista.haggerty at gmail.com. Um, either way, would any either of those ways is a way to connect with me. Okay, great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Trista. I feel like I could 
talk to you for the next two hours. I'm like, another hour, actually another two hours I could talk to you um, about all this and looking at your website now, um, or the, the few of the websites that we've talked about, it's just, there's so much rich information and it's like consciousness shifting, just connecting with the, the symbols and the words and the, the things that you represent really come through so beautifully. So thank you so much for sharing um, all the wisdom that you've um, shared today. I was going to say acquired, but it's like I can tell there's so much more. There's so much more within you to to share and guide us through and um, initiate us into it. I'm like, I love that word initiation. I'm like, can we do this again and talk about rites of passage and initiation and shamanism? I, I really thought we were going to go there today, but like time just flew talking to you. So Nevertheless, yeah. thank you so, oh, so much. Yeah, no, anytime. I <laughs> I love <Great>. talking with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so grateful. I love talking with you too. You you're just like a um just a dear angel in my life and I appreciate you and um great a great source of, of comfort on this earth for for me and I know so many others as well. So thank you so much, Trista, for um for joining us. And again, if you want to reach out to Trista, you can reach her at TristaHaggerty.com. Um, and this has been the Hypnotic Comic Live Show. Ladies and gentlemen, we are at the end of the hour. We are here live on BBS Radio and uh, over 60 uh, radio programs online now internationally. We're Balas and uh, we're also on iTunes, uh, iCloud, iHeartRadio, some pretty cool pretty cool places where you can find this show, but we're live and rolling on air, rolling on air. I like that. I want to make that my next podcast. So rolling on air Um, every Monday at noon Pacific standard time. And uh, you can reach me at jennagrayson.com or the hypnotic comic live.com or bbsradio.com. Do you have enough places to go ladies and gentlemen online? I know you all do. So thank you so much for listening and being a part of this consciousness and being a part of this journey that we've so beautifully taken together. I'm super grateful for this opportunity to be of service to all our listeners and to you, Trista. And thank you so much to our show producer, Doug. And uh, thank you to my sister, Namid, who created the music in the beginning. Namid Wolf is a sister as well. So until next Monday, have a beautiful week. Blessings upon your Monday and talk to you next time.